This morning we're going to take uh, th- this week and next week for a little bit of a, a detour as we're kind of entering into a new year and reflecting on an old year. This week and next week will be a little bit different as we'll be doing a little bit, lack of a better term, you could call state of the church. And uh, so kind of start each message over the next two weeks, kind of giving some information about King of Glory. So if you're a guest with us this morning, it's an opportunity for you to kind of learn a little bit about us, our good things and our warts as as well. And so I want to highlight a couple of things as we think about King of Glory this morning and get started. And there's three things specifically that I want to highlight. First is this, and that is the core heart of King of Glory, this idea of service. Um, this is one thing in which King of Glory has kind of had in our DNA that we exist to serve the community. And all of you, a variety of you are doing this in a variety of ways. Uh, some of you are serving at Southridge nursing home, some of you are serving at Terry Redland School, some of you at Center of Hope, some of you through King's Closet, just a variety of different ways, Habitat for Humanity. And so really, if we had to highlight something that we would say is is going well, this is where we believe there's energy and passion. It's in this area, this idea of just getting our hands dirty, saying, let's go out and bless other people. This is a good thing. This is commanded by God. God says, do good works. There's just, that's all there is to it. He says, love your neighbor, bless your neighbor. Yesterday, there was 360 families that came to the King's Closet distribution yesterday. There's been like 300 for I don't know how many months in a row now. Um, on one hand, that's a good thing for us to be able to bless. On the other hand, that's not good that our community has that level of need. But uh, thank you for those of you who are serving, those of you who are giving. Everybody's giving towards that. What a, what a great thing and a great way to bless our community. So serving is, is really a highlight. Another highlight around here is the idea of belonging or the idea of relationships. Sunday morning is a time of singing praise to God, a time of learning from God's word, but at the end of the day, Sunday morning isn't where relationship is built. You maybe talk about the weather, talk about some team that's playing this afternoon, uh, those types of things. At the end of the day, that's really shallow, right? That's stuff they talk about with a stranger. Uh, and that's not exactly how God created us to live in community with one another. And where that really happens is in what we call community groups. And so we've had over 100 people participating in community groups, people studying different things from God's word together, uh, sharing about life together, praying for one another, and getting to know one another. And so that's awesome. We've always had good relationship, seeking to build relationship. We want to celebrate that and praise God for that as well. So serving, belonging, another thing that we just want to give God praise for because only he can do this is in the area of giving. Uh, every time, every month, we continue just to say, God, thank you for your provision that the lights are paid, that we're able to participate and support God's work around the world. At the end of 2017, you'll remember that we spent November and December seeking just to say, hey, any offering that comes in November, December, We'll go towards some special opportunities since we had met our budget goal. And again, during November and December, just simply blown away. Uh, the budget for November and December was 60000 between the two months. Really excited to report this morning that November and December's giving was 120000 just in those two months. Just absolutely astounding. We gave $30,000 to Orphanage in Liberia. We gave $20,000 to Mission Work in Mongolia that God's word is going out into villages. We gave $10,000 to the Sioux Falls Ministry Center. 
we were able to make an extra payment on our outstanding debt of $58,000. And so just absolutely astounding that only God can provide in, in those ways. And so we just give God thanks for his provision that we've never had a meeting at King of Glory wondering how the bill is going to be paid. We've never spent more than a couple of moments wondering about money and talking about the needs that we have. And so we just praise God for the giving and thank him for that. So if you had to look at the state of our church right now, you could say, wow, just fabulous work serving, blessing others. You could say, great, we've got people engaging in relationship, serving. Great, we've got amazing giving, bringing God glory, participating in the mission of God. And so for this morning, that's the good news, that we just want to say, this is awesome and fabulous. Uh, in the midst of that, though, I do want to uh, put a different picture on the screen when thinking about King of Glory. Because we, we can't live in the clouds. These are, these are great things. These are awesome things. We do, though, need to acknowledge a reality that exists at King of Glory. King of Glory is finishing up its seventh year now. And if you look at King of Glory, over those seven years, for the most part, we've stayed exactly the same size. There's been in, there's been out. But for the most part, if you look at it kind of on a, on a scale, it's basically the same size. So the last three years... If you look at our worship attendance, it's been anywhere from 162 to 168. That's just kind of where it's, where it's been. And uh, so this is an issue. This isn't an issue because success isn't determined by how many people are in the seats. It's an issue because God is in the people business, right? If you're in the widget business, you produce widgets, right? And at the end of the day, if you don't produce widgets, you don't have a business. God is in the people business, which means that seats aren't just seats, they're there for people. And so we want to be in the people business as well, helping people grow in their love for God, love for one another. And the real challenge for us at King of Glory is something that maybe some of you haven't thought about. And so I'm going to get real difficult here for a moment and real. And this image, I think, summarizes it best. King of Glory Church, we basically have a banqueting table. We've got a banqueting table for 24 people. Here, here's, here's the real stewardship management question. We have a banqueting table for 24 people. We've got 8 to 10 people at the banqueting table. What I mean by that is we've built a building. We've put a staff in place really for 400, 600 people. We're averaging about 160 to 168. This is just reality. And every time I bring this up, I'm going to get real serious for a moment. Every time I bring this up, everybody responds like, it's okay, Pastor Rich. Don't worry about it. You're doing a great job. God will bring them, Pastor Rich. Don't worry about it. Hey, I'm just fine. I live in a really nice house. I have two really nice cars. I have a retirement. I'm doing just fine. Don't worry about me. This isn't a Pastor Rich issue. This is a King of Glory issue. We have a difficult conversation before us. Should we have a banqueting table for 24 with only eight eating? The eight are eating well. The eight are giving good tips. The eight are enjoying and serving well, we have to ask a stewardship and a management question. Could the eight of us who are around the table 
go to another table and eat just as well and tip just as well? That's a really difficult question. But if we want to be wise and faithful with God's resources, it's a question that we have to wrestle with. So there's a major balance here and a major struggle point, but we've got to put it on the table and ask ourselves the question. Would anyone in Sioux Falls miss us if we disappeared? Would anyone in Sioux Falls miss us if we disappeared? Now, let me clarify a little bit what I mean by that. Thank you. Good. It's okay to interact here. Would anyone in Sioux Falls not hear about Jesus if we disappeared? Would anyone in Sioux Falls not hear about Jesus if we disappeared? 360 families yesterday would not have received blessing. Absolutely. And that's a good thing that we do. Here, I'm going to really, don't take this a bad way at all. Kiwanis clubs do that every single week, all the time. Yes, we're supposed to do that, but the distinguishing difference of the church is one thing, Jesus Christ. Would anyone in Sioux Falls not hear about Jesus if King of Glory disappeared? That's the question I'm asking us to wrestle with. And here's what I believe has happened at King of Glory Church. We started and we showed up and guess what? We didn't have to worry about anyone showing up. How many of you woke up this morning and were like, man, I hope there's some people at church? Did anybody wake up thinking that? Okay, but we don't. I, I've never woken up thinking that. I've never gone, holy smokes, you know what? I'm not sure we're going to have anybody this week. I got to go. I got to start knocking on some doors. Church plants and starting new churches. They're started because they're the most effective way of reaching people. Because what happens in established churches is once you have enough, you what? You can exist without adding others. So people all the time have historically said, start a new church because when you start a new church, what do you have to do? You've got to get people to come. And so you're doing everything you can. You're knocking on any door. You're visiting with any person saying, hey, come, we've got seven people just get us to 10 next Sunday. This happens all the time. This is what new churches do. We've never had to do that. And so guess what? It's never been in our DNA. It's never been the very thing that we hold on to because we've never had to do it. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, this morning, I've been wrestling with that question for a while. And over these next two weeks, I, I sense that God has, has laid something on my heart and I want to back it up with Scripture and, and, and trust that you would affirm it or deny it. I think you would agree with me. I hope you'd agree with me this morning. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity. Right? I mean, that's absurd. I, I'm going to lose weight. I'm not going to change what I eat, what I drink, and how many steps I take. Right? How many of you would go, okay, you're a fool. So at King of Glory, 
think it's pretty safe to say we know who we are, we know what we got, we're seven years into this thing. To expect different results by doing the exact same thing over the next 12 months, 24 months, seven years is insanity. So what do we do? This morning I want to introduce not a new program, not a new giving opportunity, but a new mindset, passion, and philosophy that I believe has to saturate our hearts and our minds. Because it's not about a program. It's not about a a giving opportunity. There's a bundle of different programs we could run. There's a bundle of different giving opportunities. There's a bundle of different buildings we could have. Different churches have all those different things all of the time. I can find you a growing church that's in a beautiful building. I can find you a dying church in a beautiful building. I can find you a growing church with programs galore. I can find you a dying church with programs galore. I can find you a growing church with Starbucks coffee. I can find you a dying church with Starbucks coffee. It's not about programs. It's not about money. And it's not about buildings. It's about a mindset. I want to contend this morning that if we are going to make an impact, if we are going to reach people, it's about doing things the Jesus way. You remember the phrase, your way, right away? Burger King? And that's the way the majority of us live, right? Your way, right away. Let's do things my way. Let's do things the way of the church down the street because we see some extra people coming there. Well, if we're a Christian church, we bear the name of Christ. And if we're the body of Christ, therefore we take our direction from the head, who is Jesus. So it would make a lot of sense for us to do things the Jesus way. This morning, I would contend we don't need to turn 180 degrees. We don't need to blow things up. We need to turn one degree. If you turn one degree, what happens? You end up at a different destination. I'm not saying, oh, geez, things are going to hell in a handbasket. But I am saying there's a reality we have to be aware of and acknowledge. And so what does it mean to do things the Jesus way? We're going to look at a Bible passage, Mark chapter 5. If we want to know the Jesus way, we might as well look at the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 5, it will be on the screen as well. Mark chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. 
The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Gracious God, we ask now that you take your word and speak to us. Give us a vision, Lord, of what Jesus wants for us. Give us a vision of what Jesus wants to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. This story is absolutely absurd. There's actually a thesis written in Europe, a book written by someone that became very popular. Why am I not a Christian? And at the heart of that book and thesis is this story from Mark chapter 5. Just the author plainly said, this is absurd. This makes no sense at all. Simply put, this is a comic strip. How can anyone possibly worship this Jesus? This is crazy. This story is absurd. And I want to point out to you the absurdity of it. First is the location of where it happens. And so at the beginning, we've got this thing of Jesus coming to land. So Jesus was just in a boat with his followers where there was this storm, and now he comes to land. But where he comes is critical to understand. He's not in the Holy Land any longer. He steps outside of the covenant land of God. How many of you have kind of heard in the news that Israel's a big deal? Right? Okay, raise your hand if you've heard Israel's a big deal. Okay, okay, Israel's a big deal. Why? Because it, the Bible's declared the Holy Land. And so there's land that God has established, certain borders that are considered his covenant area of where God is establishing his people group for the Jewish nation. Now, when Jesus came, he came as a Jew. He was coming for the Jewish people to work through the Jewish people to then reach the ends of the earth. And as the Messiah, he was going to the Jewish regions. And so there's a variety of Jewish law. But now Jesus steps outside of the covenant land. He's going to the unclean land. Not only is he going to the unclean land, but he's going to a place with two things that if you know your Old Testament, make no sense. Number one, he's going where there are hogs. If you're a hog farmer this morning, no offense, I apologize. The Jews do not like pigs. Okay, there was certain restrictions on pork, and so swine were not found in the Holy Land. So you did not interact with something that was considered unclean. The second place that Jesus goes to, not only is there swine here, but he goes to a cemetery. Not a big deal. You and I go to cemetery all the time. Now, what's crazy is though in the Jewish law, to go to cemetery, there was a certain cleaning period because you had, again, defiled yourself by being there for a certain time after visiting. But Jesus goes right where no one usually goes as a religious leader. So he goes outside of the covenant land. He goes to that which is unclean. Just absurd. Why? Okay, if you think you're going here, here's how my mind works. 
man, he must have a plan of really rallying a group of people to kind of move the mission of God along. Well, what happens? Jesus goes there, and we get to the end of the story. They ask him to leave. You might be thinking to yourself, well, just kind of a mistake. Well, remember who we're dealing with here. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect image of God, he had a little idea of what was going to happen. He had a little idea of how the crowd was going to react. Why would you go to this place and then get kicked out of this place? It makes no sense. Unless there's one that needs Jesus. Unless there's one that needs Jesus. There's only one thing that makes this story have any sense at all. And that's that Jesus is concerned about the one who needs him. Jesus is concerned about the one who needs him. Jesus only helps one. There's one. Now, look at me here in Mark chapter 5. This is just a level of craziness. Verse 4. For he had been bound with shackles and chains. But when he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces, no one had the strength to subdue him. Here was an individual that was completely overtaken by a demonic presence, could not control himself, was acting completely out of the normal. And there was only one who could help him. Jesus goes to help the one because he knows he's the only one who can help him. The way of Jesus is to notice the one in our path. The way of Jesus is to notice the one in our path. If you read the gospel lessons, gospel's messages, pay attention. Who does Jesus notice and who does he interact with? The one. What gets Jesus in trouble? It's not him interacting with the crowd. It's him what? Interacting with one. It's the prostitute woman who comes and kisses Jesus' feet. Jesus notices the one. There's a whole crowd around Jesus. They're crowding him, touching him, saying, heal us, heal us. There's only one in this whole crowd that touches him. And Jesus says, hey, who was that? And the disciples are like, dude, you got a hundred people touching you. What do you mean, who's the one? And Jesus says, no, there's one here. Who's the one? Again, a woman who was in needed, needing a touch from Jesus. The way of Jesus is to see the one who needs Jesus Christ. Jesus did not go here to exercise his authority. He's already exercised his authority everywhere. Some would argue that, hey, Jesus went there to show that he's in charge of demonic spirits. There's plenty of other places where Jesus exerts his authority. Jesus exerts his authority here for the sake of the one who was underneath the power of the demonic spirits. The way of Jesus Christ is to notice the one. There's great power in one. This last week, I was in a strategic planning meeting with the board of directors, and we had a marketing firm here, an interesting individual from Seattle, Washington, that was leading us through an exercise and was talking to us about a firm that had done a bunch of fundraising for a nonprofit that was doing fundraising for a group that was helping with famine. The group had tried everything. They had talked to their people saying, there's a whole nation, a whole nation that could disappear if we don't do something. The nonprofit raised very little money. 
So then they changed their strategy and said, there's 20,000 people, 20,000 people that are going to die in the next 30 days if you do not give. That's fairly appealing. Nothing. Well, by accident, one of the designers somewhere working with some stock photo on a special thing puts a photo of a single dog that has been malnourished in famine on a brochure. What happens the day after that brochure goes out? They get enough money to nourish the 20,000 people. The power of one. You see one and it becomes real to you very fast. There's a big difference between saying, I love the world, and saying, I love you. Anyone can say, I love people. But can you say, I love this person? The power of one. The way of Jesus is to notice the one who is in our path. Why? Why does Jesus go to this place and notice the one? It's because Jesus is first and foremost the only one who can help the one. Do you realize that this morning? Do you realize that this morning the only hope for you and the only hope for anyone in your path is Jesus Christ? You're not going to share Jesus with anyone until you come to the point of recognizing that Jesus is their ultimate hope. Do you realize that Jesus is the only one? That's why we go after one. And then Jesus teaches These are not my words. These are not some strategist of another church. Jesus himself teaches, leave the 99 and find the one. That doesn't make any sense. Logically, business-wise, nothing. Jesus goes to this place to find the one because Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. Why Why do we care about the one? Because God loves people. Not in the generic sense. God loves every person. Are you in a place where you've moved beyond loving people academically to I love this person? And when we love this person, we begin to follow the way of Jesus Christ and acknowledge the one in our path. I would contend this morning that the number one thing, the only thing that King of Glory needs to do is each of us need to begin to notice, chase, and care for the one in our path. We need to begin to follow the way of Jesus Christ. There's 110,000 people this morning, 110,000, I'm being very conservative, 110,000 people this morning within five miles of here, 10 miles of here, that are not in church. 110,000 people. What are you going to do about those 110,000 people? God's not going to hold you accountable for 110,000. God's holding you accountable for the one who is in your path. There's 500 elementary children in need of a positive role model because their house life is broken. 
God's not going to say, what would you do for those 500? God's going to say, what would you do for that one that you had the capacity to do something? There's millions of orphans aged 0 to 18 all around the world. God is not going to say, well, what would you do for the millions? God's going to say, what would you do for the one for who you had an extra bedroom for? What are you doing for the one that is in your path? What do we need to do? I want to give you some really practical help this morning for every single one of us, and I'm right there with you this morning. What do we need to do? First is this. You and I, we need to pray for an opportunity. I want to encourage you every morning this week, every morning until it happens, God, put me in contact with one today. God, put me in contact with one today. And watch out. Be careful. God promises in his word that he answers our prayers. God, put me in contact with one today. We need to first and foremost pray for an opportunity. Secondly, we need to engage with people around us. Slow down a little bit. Now I'm preaching to myself and you at the exact same time here. How many times have you said, hey, how are you? Well, you're halfway up the flight of stairs, and the person, the other person's halfway down that flight of stairs. We need to engage with people around us. So here's your homework assignment. There's homework this next week. Here's your homework assignment. You've got to do one of these three things this next week. Write this down. How can you engage with people around you? I'm not asking you to go up to a person and say, I'd like to scare a scripture verse from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 80. No, no, no. Don't do that at all. Stop. Here's what you should do this next week. Very simply, right here. How can I pray for you? That's it. That's it. Folks, 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 folks. If you can't do this, we, we got a long ways to go. Okay, hey, everybody loves prayer. Even those that hate Jesus love prayer. Right? No, no, I guarantee you, you, you will not get hit this next week if you ask someone, how can I pray for you? I guarantee you, you will not lose a friend this next week if you say, how can I pray for you? Ask someone, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Dangerous question. Be ready. So if you don't, you're not really comfortable with that, if you're not really comfortable with that, or if you know you're not going to pray for them, don't ask that question then, okay? Here's the second question you can ask. Hey, what are you celebrating this week? This, for whatever reason, this just throws people off. Because they're just not, they're used to what? Hey, how are you doing? Good. See you later. Ask somebody, what are you celebrating this week? Because what does it do? It forces them to reflect upon their own life and share that something's going on. This will bring up just as much struggle as it does good stuff. Because they'll be like, not much. My daughter just lost her job this last week. You learned a whole lot right there. How can I pray for you? What are you celebrating? If you, if you want to go and you got a relationship with someone, ask this question. How is your stress level this week? How is your stress level this week? This is a great question because it does this. It's fairly simple to ask, and it gives a person an easy out. They can say, they're really high. And if they don't want to talk anymore, they can just walk. Or it gives you a follow-up opportunity. What's causing that high stress? 
Okay? We need to engage with people around us. This is not rocket science. There's no four-year Bible degree needed. Right? How can I pray for you? What are you celebrating? How is your stress level? That's your homework assignment this next week. Okay? Do that. And, I, and I've got some motivation for why you should do that. So engage with people around you. Thirdly, identify the need. So you've asked the question, how can I pray for you? Or what are you celebrating? You've identified the need. You've got to hear this. This is just awesome. This is what God's doing. I believe this is affirmation of that God wants to change King of Glory to this mindset. I want you to identify the need, and then I want you to bring the need next Sunday to King of Glory Church, and we will pay to meet that need. This last week, our leadership team's been working on a variety of different things and, and trying to organize some finances in different ways. So I was meeting with an individual, just kind of giving them an update, saying, hey, here's what we're doing, trying to just get some different things in place and set up. And so the individual said, well, hey, what's, what's, what's the plan? What's the idea? And I'm like, don't really have a plan right now. But I said, here's kind of general what I'm, what I'm thinking here about kind of this different mindset focus in the individual so I went through this Bible passage, long story short, long conversation. Individual says to me, you know what? We need to make sure we can help with anyone that we come into path with if we're going to motivate this. So there was 2,000 pigs that ran over that hill, right? So there's 2,000 pigs. Let's add a zero at the end of the 2,000. And here's $20,000. $20,000. For King of Glory people to use to meet the need of the one in your path. This could get messy. It will get messy if you actually do your homework, right? So here's your opportunity. Let me clarify. This next week you run into someone, they're struggling in their marriage. Here's what I want you to do. Offer to pay for their marriage counseling. Offer to pay for their marriage counseling. You run into someone this next week, and they're struggling with, with something, here's what I want you to do. You yourself, go meet that need with them, and we'll reimburse you. Up to $500 per need. If we spend all 20000 next Sunday, the individual will supply whatever's needed to make it through week number one. Some of you are scared right now. Some of you are like, what? You want us to do what? I want you to find the one in your path. Engage with them. Identify the need. And bring that need to King of Glory next Sunday. I'm, I'm dead serious right now. Some of you should be smiling. Think what you get to do this next week. You get to bless someone in the name of Jesus Christ, and it's not going to cost you a dime. Are you going to notice the one in your path? Are you going to engage with them? Are you going to identify the need and bring the need back to King of Glory? There's obviously some details we've got to work out. But we can work out details. We can work out messes. Here's what we need. For you to identify the need of the one. We need you to identify the need of the one. This is not you. 
This is not you saying, hey, our church would like to help. Go visit Pastor Rich. No, 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 no. Hey, our church would like to help. Uh, I think Julie's there Monday through Friday, like 9 to 3. Call her. No, 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 no. This is you. This is you. They need groceries. This is you buying the groceries. They need help finding an apartment and getting the first month's rent. You are going to help them find the apartment. And we'll set up the first month rent. This is you babysitting their kids so they can have a date night. We're not going to pile all the kids that pass the rich's house. Okay? Are you going to notice the one in your path? Are you going to engage with the one? And are you going to identify the need and bring the need back? I want all $20,000 to be spent so that we have to go back and ask for more. This is an amazing opportunity we have to bless others and to step out in faith. Are you willing to recognize the one? So after you identify and bring the need, then finally, you've got to follow up with the one, right? This is huge. People, this is not, again, rocket science. Someone says to you, hey, my daughter lost my job. Do you know the power of following up with that person in a week and saying, hey, how's it going for your daughter right now? You know, how's it going? Hey, I was looking around, and here's maybe two or three options. That just does not happen. People, that does not happen. We live in the country with the greatest amount of loneliness because no one follows up with anyone. After you engage, are you going to follow up? Because we're going to resource you to follow up. Pray, engage, identify, follow up. Pray, engage, identify, and follow up. But it all begins, it all begins with recognizing that you are one as well. It begins by recognizing that you are one that God has found. God does not save massive groups of people. God saves individuals and adopts them into families and massive groups of people. You are an individual who has been saved. Now, are you going to recognize the individual in your path? Like I said this morning, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself and just letting you in on it. Life and death are at stake, literally. About 13 months ago, my phone rang, and it was the funeral home. They asked me, said, hey, wondering if you've got some free time, if you could officiate a funeral for a family. Not that out of the normal. They call regularly and kind of regularly officiate for funerals, people that we don't know. So this wasn't abnormal at all. And so I just said, yeah, I think I can make that work. Um, can you tell me a little about them? Any church connection, anything? Um, no, they said, but, but they know you from the meat store. And I said, the meat store? And they said, yeah, they say you're a regular. I was like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about now, the meat store. So I went and I met with the family. Walk in, I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I, I know these people. You see, I'm a regular at, at this meat store, and I go there to buy meat and buy a little beef jerky during the day, don't tell my wife, that kind of good, good stuff. And, and when I go in there usually, when I go in there usually, there's a small group of guys that are playing dice. 
just kind of hanging out. A couple of them are retired of, a couple of them, I, I don't know what, what's going on. Just playing dice, shooting the breeze. I come in there, and they're always saying, hey, come on, play some dice. One day, I had my chaplain coat on or something or whatever, and so that day, they're like, oh, now we know why you can't play dice. <laughs> right? Well, little do they know about this chaplain. Um, <laughs> so I meet with this family, talking. I hardly knew anything at this moment. Go meet with them. I said, what's going on? Our son took his own life. I didn't know you had a son. Dad says to me, he sits on that stool every day when you walk in to meet sir. He sits on that stool every day when you walk into that meat store. I didn't stop to play dice once. I didn't engage beyond just some riffraff back and forth out the door once. That's not my fault that that individual took, took their life. But that one was in my path. And I buried that. I guarantee you, there's one in your path. Are you going to notice the one? I'm now picking up the habit of playing dice. And I haven't won yet. <laughs> Thanks be to God. That God noticed you, God noticed me, and saved us. Now will you and I notice the one. I'm here to tell you this morning, the banqueting table of King of Glory Church will take care of itself if King of Glory Church notices the one in our path. Will you notice the one? Engage with the one. Identify the need and follow up with the one. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you this morning recognizing that many of us, I'm first in line, God, many of us, have run right past the one. So God, we ask now that you'd slow down our hearts, slow down our minds, and instill in our hearts and instill in our minds your vision. We pray that you'd give us a heart for people. Give us a heart for specific people. And so God, I boldly ask right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, I ask, that you would give every person in this room an opportunity to connect with one this next week. God, would you connect each of us with one? In Jesus' name, amen.